This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. That's L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org. Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. Chapter 36 In which Phillies Fogg's name is once more at a premium on change. It is time to relate what a change took place in English public opinion when it transpired that the real bank robber, a certain James Strand, had been arrested on the 17th day of December at Edinburgh, three days before Phillies Fogg had been a criminal who was being desperately followed up by the police. Now he was an honorable gentleman, mathematically pursuing his eccentric journey round the world. The papers resumed their discussion about the wager. All those who had played bets for or against him revived their interest as if by magic. The Phileas Fogg bonds again became notable, and many new wagers were made. Phileas Fogg's name was once more at a premium on change. His five friends of the reform passed these three days in a state of feverish suspense. Would Phileas Fogg, whom they had forgotten, reappear before their eyes? Where was he at this moment? The 17th of December, the day of James Strand's arrest, was the 76th since Phileas Fogg's departure, and no news of him had been received. Was he dead? Had he abandoned the effort? Or was he continuing his journey along the route agreed upon? And would he appear on Saturday, the 21st of December, at a quarter before nine in the evening, on the threshold of the Reform Club saloon? The anxiety in which for three days London society existed can be described. Telegrams were sent to America and Asia for news of Phileas Fogg. Messengers were dispatched to the house in Savile Row morning and evening. No news. The police were ignorant what had become of the detective, Fix, who had so unfortunately followed up a false scent. Bets increased nevertheless in a number and value phileas fogg like a racehorse was drawing near his last turning point the bonds were quoted no longer at a hundred below par but at twenty at ten and at five the paralytic old lord alberle bet even in his favor a great crowd was collected in pall mall and the neighboring streets on Saturday evening, it seemed like a multitude of brokers, permanently established around their form club. Circulation was impended, and everywhere disputes, discussions, and financial transactions were going on. 
the police had great difficulty in keeping back the crowd, and as the hour when Phileas Fogg was due approached, the excitement rose to its highest pitch. The five antagonists of Phileas Fogg had met in the great saloon of the club. John Sullivan and Samuel Fullerton, the bankers, Andrew Stott, the engineer, Gother Ralph, the director of the Bark of England, and Thomas Flangen, the brewer, on and all waited anxiously. When the clock indicated twenty minutes past eight, Andrew Stott got up, saying, Gentlemen, in twenty minutes the time agreed upon between Mr. Fogg and ourselves will have expired. What time did the last train arrive from Liverpool? asked Thomas Flanderlin. At twenty-three minutes past seven, replied Gother Ralph. And the next does not arrive till ten minutes after twelve. Well, gentlemen, resumed Andrew Stott, if Phileas Fogg had come in the 723 train, he would have got here by this time. We can therefore regard the bet as won. Wait, don't let us be too hasty, replied Samuel Fallenton. You know that Mr. Fogg is very eccentric. His punctuality is well known. He never arrives too soon or too late and I should not be surprised if he appears before us at the last minute. Why? said Andrew Stott nervously. If I should see him, I should not believe it was he. The fact is, resumed Thomas Flagen, Mr. Fogg's project was absurdly foolish. Whatever he punctually, he could not prevent the delays which were certain to occur and a delay of only two or three days would be fatal to his tour. Observe, too, added John Sullivan, that we have received no intelligence from him, though there are telegraphic lines all along his route. He has lost, gentlemen, said Andrew Stott. He has a hundred times lost. You know, besides, that the China, the only steamer he could have taken for New York, got here in time arrived yesterday i have seen a list of the passengers and the name of phileas fogg is not among them even if we admit that fortune has favored him he can scarcely have reached america i think he will be at least twenty days behindhand and that lord alberley will lose a cool five thousand it is clear replied gothier ralph and we have nothing to do but present Mr. Fogg's check at Baring's tomorrow. At this moment, the hands of the club clock pointed at twenty minutes to nine. Five minutes more, said Andrew Stott. The five gentlemen looked at each other. Their anxiety was becoming intense, but not wishing to betray it. They readily assented to Mr. Volunteer's proposal of a rubber. I wouldn't give up my four thousand of the bet, said Andrew Stott, as he took his seat for three thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine. The clock indicated eighteen minutes to nine. The players took up their cards, but could not keep their eyes off the clock. Certainly, however, secure they felt. Minutes 
had never seemed so long to them. Seventeen minutes to nine, said Thomas Flagin, as he cut the cards which Ralph handed to him. Then there was a moment of silence. The great saloon was perfectly quiet, but the murmurs of the crowd outside were heard. With now and then a shrill cry, the pendulum beat the seconds with each player eagerly counting as he listened with mathematical regularity. Sixteen minutes to nine, said John Sullivan in a voice which betrayed his emotion. One minute more, and the wager would be won. Andrew Stott and his partner suspended their game. They left their cards and counted the seconds. At the fortieth second, nothing. At the fiftieth, still nothing. At the fifty-fifth, a loud cry was heard in the street, followed by applause, hurrahs, and some fierce growls. The players rose from their seats. At the fifty-seventh second, the door of the saloon opened, and the pendulum had not beat the sixtieth second when Phileas Fogg appeared, followed by an excited crowd who had forced their way through the club doors and in his calm voice said here i am gentlemen end of chapter thirty six this has been a tbol three production